Hello and welcome to another edition of Banana Island Living. My name is Shadi, and in this International Women's Month, I'm really thrilled to be speaking to a woman who's done so much to help other women accomplish so much, and she wears it so lightly in a field where women are so often maybe incidental to the conversation and sometimes an afterthought in finance and wealth management. Uh, I'm so excited to be speaking to Bingpei Nkochu. Bingpei, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Shadi. And, and um, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Bingpei is my woman crush. I don't know if you know, but she's, uh, you know, she's one of those that makes me feel like a slacker. <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> so, so I'll tell you just a little bit of what she's done, and it's really good. Um, she is a lawyer. She is a wealth advisor. She is a tech entrepreneur. Um, she is ranked, recognized in the 100 Women to Watch list 2020. And she's a duly qualified lawyer with 35 law- years collective experience in the UK and in Nigeria. Bingpei is founder and managing principal at W8 Advisory LLP, a wealth advisory practice and multifamily office based in the UK. She's focused on African entrepreneurs and their families. She also owns a sister company, W8 Wealth Limited, which provides regulated financial and investment advisory services to African business families. Now, the first thing I wanted to ask or to say was, uh, congratulations, I heard a little birdie told me you didn't tell me, and I just wanted to check that it's true. Congratulations and kudos to W8 for nomination for FinTech of the Year at this year's Black Tech Achievement Awards. How are you feeling? Thank you, Shadi. Yes, um, yeah, pleasant, pleasant surprise because we are um, a newcomer to the market, but I guess we have gained some ground you know, since we started. So thank you. Yeah. And um, what, what's what's this product that you're, um, I mean, I read a little bit about it and I wondered if you could tell me what this fintech thing that you're into now, what, what is it that you're platforming now? So um, th- thank you. When Wealthage is a, it's an investment app. I mean, we're currently UK based, which is where I, I live and work. And so it's been established and launched in the UK last year. Uh, it's regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And the whole idea is to sort of give um, easy access, to facilitate access to investing in global funds, um, you know, different investment funds, uh, different risk ratings, different returns. But the interesting thing is also to give access to uh, funds that are managed by triple A rated investment managers. Uh, so especially at a, at a low entry point, uh, because typically, um, you know, to get access to the investment managers we have on our platform, like BlackRock, for example, yeah, uh, you, you would typically need a lot of money, uh, you know, something six figures yeah. know, to open a portfolio. I mean, plebs like me would not think of going to BlackRock for anything. <laughs> so that's changing. We're pushing that narrative and saying, I think, you know, investing shouldn't be exclusive. You know, we really want to democratize access to to investing. So people with, you know, as little as eight pounds is the entry point on our platform. Gosh. Can start saving and investing and seeing returns and hopefully growing their pot, you know, as they become more, um, you know, more wealthy or as they, they earn more money. 
But is it is it really possible to put all, reduce that into an app? I mean, walk me through it. If I came to you now and I said, I don't know where to start. I'd like to have access to this. I have, hey, 100, 200 pounds. You know, my grandchild has just been born and I wanted to sort of put some money aside. If I was using your app, how would I walk through that? I mean, to, to, use, to use the app or any of the investment apps out there these days, I think what yeah. we what I've seen is lacking is um, sort of financial literacy. I think people yeah. are sort yeah. of um, put off by the technical language of investing. You know, there's a whole mystery around, you know, people think it's rocket science. It's, it, to an extent, I mean, it, it, there is a science around it, and that's why you have investment managers. But I think the first thing we want you to do is um, recognize that it's accessible. And so when you go onto the app, you'll be presented with a range of different investment pots, each pot will tell you exactly what's in it. Uh, they're all diversified, a bit of stocks, a bit of share, a bit of um, equity, uh, equities, bonds, um, yeah. treasury bills, different things. And the whole idea is that they're designed um, and each pot has a risk rating and also has um, returns rating. So it's basically, this is what it says on the tin. Right. So it should be idiot proof. Like More me. or less. So all you kind of need to determine, and, and we have a lot of, um, you know, FAQs on the on the app and on our website as well as to what does it mean when something is, you know, uh, risk rate, moderate risk. Yeah. What does it mean when it's a, you know, an aggressive portfolio, you know, i.e., you know, because obviously people like to see returns 10 to 15%, yay. But then you then well, realize that the risk rating I is probably... I think I've learned my it, lesson on that one. Yeah, so the risk rating, <laughs> you know, the risk rating would be higher, but then it's telling you yeah. that, you know, the reason why... So we, we have the FAQs explaining why it's rated that way, telling you it's probably more equities in, the, in that pot. And equities, when they do well, they do very well, but also they're a bit more subject to fluctuation. So, but you know, when there's yeah. real returns because the companies are doing well, you will get a lot of money. So, part of what we do is give you a lot of information on the app, a lot of FAQs like Investment 101, more or less, um, yeah. to help to guide you into selecting the right portfolio for yourself. And so, and we also have ESG portfolios because we realize that a lot of people uh, want to be ethical investors and want to invest only yeah. in markets or companies that are actually you know complying with um yeah. all of sort of the un guidelines on on, on being sustainable and, and, and etc so we have esg portfolios as well and so yeah so you, you go onto the platform you look through the different portfolios we try to explain in very simple language what each one consists of what the risk rating is what the returns are we even show you the geographical spread of where that portfolio is invested in what types yeah. of companies so even if they, that portfolio might have a bit of amazon a bit of alphabet may have us treasury bills we'll tell you it's very transparent i mean they all sound like blue chip and you know for somebody like me or somebody you know at my time of life we're looking for safety but then it just seems like the Amazons and the Black Rocks are just a little bit beyond my, you know, uh, pay well, grade. You, know, you, you say exactly. And that's what we're tackling. That sort of attitude, that, sort of, um, that bias. Especially for women, you know, we, we're sort of like, we're, I don't know, I can speak for myself, risk averse. And, uh, but then also a little bit intimidated by some of the big names and the, you think you need an awful lot of money to get in there. 
So that's that's you know, like I said, that's that's the attitude and the bias that we're sort of conscious bias where yeah. So what we're saying is, if you go onto Wealthy's platform, there's a range of in- investment um, portfolios, uh, and you can select one that's as far as you're concerned, you understand what your yeah. like, how risk averse are you. And exactly, if you're someone who's quite conservative and really you, you want your money to grow, but you also want to reduce the risk of losing it, you may yeah. then end up selecting a moderate or a conservative portfolio. But when I yeah. listed the kind of things, it's really just to say to you that it's also very transparent. We're telling you exactly where your money is going, what it's invested yeah. in, but it's invested in a basket of different investing investments, yeah. as opposed to you just putting your money in one company's shares, just buying yeah. You know, whether you're buying Pfizer share, but the oh gosh, vaccinations will all run after Pfizer shares. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and people tend to do that. There's always this sort of a mentality of, you know, let's the herd mentality. But actually, um, I think it's been proven that if you have, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you diversify. Diversify. So already what we're doing is we have diversified portfolios on the platform. Yeah. And yes, it's typically, um, the mindset has been, gosh, I haven't got, you know, thousands of pounds. I'm not rich, so I can't be investing and have BlackRock exactly. for my money. But no. So we're saying to you, we have actually set up a platform where with a minimum of eight pounds, because we're UK based, so we're quoting in pounds, yeah. a minimum of eight pounds, you can invest in a portfolio that is managed by BlackRock. And BlackRock will give that eight pounds the same attention is giving to somebody who has a million pounds in the same portfolio. And the idea is that as you, we want to, to encourage people to put some money away every month. So when you set up your portfolio, yeah. we encourage you to do a, a direct debit and decide how much money you can put aside every month and see it grow. And even if you leave it there, the returns are reinvested in the portfolio. So you then even have the, um, that we see the advantage of compound interest and, mm. and growing. And, you know, we've seen all sort of, there's sort of um, lots of graphs that show you if you put a hundred pounds away for, you know, 15 years, you know, every month, as opposed to just living it in a bank account, which doesn't pay interest, as you know. Which is what, which is what we tend to do. I, I, can, yeah. I can speak for myself, either yes. through laziness so, or lack exactly. of Exactly. So you your, your bank account in the UK, in Nigeria, most countries now don't, doesn't, it's simple bank account, simple account it pays, pays nothing. pays absolutely nothing. So in nothing. fact, even though you think you still have your capital yeah. sitting in that account, it's been eroded by inflation, inflation isn't it? Yes. The way. Yeah. And in Nigeria, not yeah. just inflation, even, you know, the fluctuation of the currency ah, is gosh. eroding that currency amount. Is, as opposed you to you name it. Exactly. Yeah. So so investing is the name of the game. You know, so saving and investing. Yeah. Um, is, and that's what we are offering uh, access to. I just I just get scared and frustrated and, and to be honest, I get bored with investing. <laughs> No, I need to. We're also, know, trying, we're also to trying to make it as, as interesting. And, and okay, the other thing, I mean, good that you've just pointed that out because yes, you're right. I mean, well, men and women, it can be quite tedious. But we, we, we're also yeah. making it interesting by saying in well on WellFit, we are building a co- community of like-minded people. Right. So if okay. you are UK-based at the moment, for example, during COVID, we had a few online events, but tomorrow we're having our first in-person event. Oh, how nice. At Soul oh, House wow. on the Strand, where we, you know, because it's Women's Month, we're, going to, we're inviting about 60 women to come in and have a drink, have talk in a safe space, ask questions. We have a, uh, we, we're featuring a, a, an author of an interesting book, not about money, but about, you know, just yeah. career. I leadership. think that's such a clever thing to do. Yeah. That's such a good thing to do. And you sort of demystify the whole thing. 
exactly. that way. Exactly. And then you can meet up with friends at our events and, or make friends. And yeah. You can talk about, uh, you know, it's like, in, you know, in the 60s, they were having these Tupperware parties. This is happening. Yeah. A nice yeah, Tupperware exactly. party <laughs> where you can talk about, so what are you investing yeah. in these days? Rather than talking about handbags and shoes, like people always think that's what we do when we get together, talk about jewelry and all that. <laughs> yeah. Let's get together and talk about how is your portfolio doing? You know, are you investing in, who's your investment manager? How much money was your, how do you, how do you, you know, manage to, you know, budget and live within your means. Let's, let's be realistic yeah. and honest and authentic and not pretend, you know, to be uh, all about well, that's the other designer. Thing, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a safe space, like you say, yeah. to, to chat exactly. about this. Yeah, to chat about, yeah, the things that concern keep many of us up well, at night. When I'm in the UK, I'm on it. I will be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but, but Bing Pit, what, what got you into, into this? Because you were a lawyer. <sighs> Yes, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I mean, I trained in Nigeria, um, did law school and all of that, and came to the UK about 26 years ago to settle down and have kids and all of that. So and you, then were, was you were planning to move to the UK or it nope. just happened? It just happened. I actually finished my master's um, in 1990 yes. and went back to Nigeria. I was working. I had you know, finished law school, uh, worked for a couple of years, and then came to do my master's in UCL. I yeah. finished and went back. I and did a master's at UCL too, in corporate and commercial go. law too. <laughs> there you go. And it was there, it's 990. <laughs> it seems yeah. like, you know, ages ago now. Yeah. And then, but then I moved back because, um, yeah, I met, you know, the man I finally married and I'm, he's from Cameroon and he was living between Paris and London. And so I moved back here in 94. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to settle down. And because otherwise I wouldn't have, I think I'd, I was pretty quite happy working, living and working in Lagos. And as a result, yeah. actually, I, my career has just focused very much on the Nigerian space. So even my law firm that I set up here uh, yeah. and ran for about 17 years was a firm that was very much a niche African uh, practice, focusing on business, doing business on the continent, representing clients from but the UK. But there is a gap there, you know, mm-hmm. there really is. I mean, there's a little gap now because at least with the, it, world, you know, in those days there was no internet and email. <laughs> So yeah, we're sending true, faxes. True, and, true. and so in Africa was still this dark continent where to do business, people just thought it got scared. So I was in the UK and took advantage of saying, yes. I could take you by the hand and help you set up a business and get the permits and, and if you had litigation. So I did that. Mm. But then in the end, I, I did in, in the early 2000s, there was the whole Africa rising. And then yes. I started seeing a lot more investments coming into the UK from the continent, from Nigeria especially. So I ended up representing quite a few significant entrepreneurs yeah. In litigation, not even in, and then became, you know, a trusted advisor to many of them to the extent that I then found I was dealing with their private affairs and really became a family office, which again was a word that many wealthy Africans hadn't come across. The idea of having a structure or, or an office where all of your advisors around your private and business affairs were in one Somebody spot. to manage your your life for you, about, absolutely. You know, yes, starting from your business, especially succession work. planning. Because I, exactly. I remember we had a mm-hmm. conversation about that. Um, we have a generation that are getting older and trying to structure their affairs for their children, so they don't leave a mess behind. You know. <laughs> Yes, I witnessed many messes. I mean, I can tell you oh. lots of war stories about, you know, a lot of um, big law uh, cases that came to UK courts because, you know, I'm Nigerian yes. qualified, UK qualified. And yes. unfortunately, when there's a dispute over assets after, you know, the owner or founder of a business or a patriarch of family dies, there's always a flat in our house in London and bank accounts until the dispute spills over into the UK courts. And yeah. I did a lot of... Um, 
probate, content, what they call contentious probate. Contentious probate. Oh, gosh. And so, that sorry, me, I, I just wanted to find out. I mean, these problems, is it mainly from polygamous families or, or is it a cuts across? Not at all. I mean, it, it, it cuts across, to be honest. I mean, it's sometimes worse when they're polygamous families. Yes. But I think just the lack of planning. I mean, planning. there's some celebrated cases yeah. I won't name here, but I'm sure people are and aware And the tax of. man will take so much out of so it much because of they it. Yeah. Plan. And there, even, there were cases even where, you know, the person who died was a lawyer and just hadn't made a will. So, oh you know, it wasn't so much about um, lack of education. There's an awareness, but I think there's also this taboo about talking about death or what yeah. happens after death. So many people just shy away from the idea of sitting down and being realistic about what will happen to their assets or their family. If they were yeah. to have a heart attack and die or yeah. get COVID, for example. Or oh, you get happened, run over by a bus. And, <laughs> or get run over by a bus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and because of that sort of, you know, um, hesitation or, or, or sort of taboo around speaking about things yeah. like that, people don't make wills, people don't plan and even people who own large companies, I mean, I, you know, it's, I would say it's okay, but it's it's bad enough when the family just has a few assets. But you have families who are entrepreneurs who own huge. I mean, I grew up in Nigeria in the seventies, where there are com- families that own bakeries, airlines, newspapers. Yes, and, where and none are of them are, today? none of those companies. I would name them. None of them exist. Because they so all what, died what with is the owner. problem, sorry, from your point of view? I've seen so many generational wealth doesn't seem to work in Africa. What is that about? Why? What is the problem? I think we need to get a psychologist on this call. <laughs> but I, my, <laughs> no, because, my, my, is it that everything own, is in their suitcase, in one suitcase, or everything depends on, you know, après mal le déluge, as they say? <laughs> exactly. No, you know, it's a mixture. I think, like I said, on one hand, there's a taboo about talking about death. I think yes. secondly, that we are very short. We have a very, have a very short term attitude, a horizon, because obviously, yeah. Yeah. whether it's because our currency has never held value for a long time, or mm. our governments have changed, economic situations are just sort of up and down, so people just can't look past the next deal to, to, yeah, to have yeah. a, a long term vision for the business that they're building. And, when you and, their, long, families. and, and their, their families. And their families. The way you don't have a long-term vision, and you're, you're, you're actually working from paycheck to paycheck or contract, you know, to contract. to contract, you know, then you don't sit down and actually do what I encourage clients to do now. And in fact, I'm seeing there's more traction with um, a younger generation in their 40s yeah. and 50s who have been bitten or who have suffered from their parents' lack of planning and realize that mm. they don't want to make the same mistakes. Um, but yeah, but that's, I mean, and I say to families or that I talk to, I say, listen, you're, look at all the items you're wearing, you're wearing, whether you're wearing a, a Rolex watch or, you know, Timex or you, you shop at, um, you know, in the US where there's came, you know, was it was that big Walmart, they're all family businesses. Yeah. Where do you bank? Oh, Chase, family business, JP Morgan is, is someone who had that name who said the bank up. And in many years, listen, eight, 10, 12 generations later, you you consume. Yes, it's still it's still there. So do you realize yeah, I, that I every aspect story. of your life, every every brand, look at the iPhone, every brand that you use yeah. was set up by someone, and it survived their death. It survived their death. Succession so, planning, uh, estate planning, yeah. strategic planning, governance around the ownership of or disposal of those assets. Yeah. This Even if you're going to sell them, you should put a structure in place for disposal. In place for the proceeds of the sales. So, so you know, again, I've, in many, many African businesses, as entrepreneurs yeah. as we are, are not set up to survive um, yeah. you know, the demise of 
the 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 founder, the founder yeah. And, and you know, then it just falls into bits. It, it just you know, it, it caves in. Everything crumbles. Assets are sold, or you know, the fire sale. It's a fire it, sale because the other thing I found is that it, it's quite difficult to sell businesses here. I just mm-hmm. don't know how they do it. Well, um, they, I usually, they usually end up, you know, carving it up into pieces and, you know, different buyers come and buy different pieces. It's it's more like an asset sale, though, isn't it? Yes. Rather than a business sale. And for the wrong reasons, because usually yeah. the owner hasn't, um, you know, not only has he not planned for the future, but he hasn't even been managing the his money in yeah. his wealth, in his lifetime, to the extent that many, many, many people are living... Uh, I would say the, the, the profile that they have is different from their actual, the, the truth of their financial situation. And unfortunately yeah. in death, you know, straight away, if a debt is, there's a debt hanging over the assets, the banks come in and, you know, repossess. And, and then the truth is like almost the emperor's new clothes, literally. Yeah. The truth it comes out and you realize that there was a shell a shell around, you know, nothing. No, no, no it's planning. All, it's, all, you know, it's all flash and no, no substance. It's all flash, absolutely. So, and like you said, I mean, I, I think that a lot of uh, the generation, I would say, you know, the people in their 50s and even early, early 60s, yeah. but even younger, yeah. are more aware because we're, more, we're, we're well-traveled, and now, you know, we're more aware of the need mm. for this vision. But I'm, I'm still waiting to see. You know, I, I still think that many businesses we see today, yeah. let's see what happens in 30 years' well, time. I mean, you know, even the biggest businesses we have, let's see what happens when the owner is no more. And that's that's where, that's a real t- t- test. And so the work I do as a family office advisor, work yeah. advisor, is to try, is, is getting structure into place, family strategy, governance, which is important, corporate yeah. and family governance, important in our yeah. business, yeah. and asset, asset planning. And compliance. And tax compliance, compliance. Tax compliance. Because tax, tax you're planning. absolutely right. You know, people who don't comply don't realize that in death, the, the tax man will take what he's, he's rightfully, if you don't do it in your you lifetime. You have nothing left. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So all of those things, you know, and, and you and then you add on the fact that yes, most people want their children to be educated in the right place. So I give some, you know, advice around that. There's need for some sort of emotional intelligence. The more money there is, yes, wealth comes with its own baggage. Possessions weigh you down, as they say. They do. They do. So <laughs> they I, my work I do is part lawyer, part fin- financial coach, part. You know. Well, I, do you know, I think it's not just financial coaching, just talking to you now. Mm. There has to be quite a bit of emotional intelligence as well, because you yeah. have to, it's almost like counseling. It is. And you, and you, and you, if you're not careful, you get sucked into the drama, mm-hmm. the family drama. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yes, family drama, you know, or even the fact that, you know, even you yourself get carried away with the wealth and exactly and forget to store some for a rainy, rainy day. Because we always think people, are, you know, some people are saying, oh, gosh, I've made money now. It's, I'm always going to have the money. Yeah, I look at people, love sportsmen and women who are, especially in Europe or in the US, who make money at a very yeah. young age, at 22, 25, they are, they're worth, you know, they're earning a million pounds a week. And I, and I said, but hang on, you're going to leave you're 80 or 90. Or hundred even, and you retire at thirty. And exactly, and exactly. So, what are you doing? If I'm buying the next Ferrari and the next watch and private jet, what are you doing to ensure that it's some long-term, you know, asset that's going yeah. to give you passive income for the days when you no longer can get up and kick that ball, or even even work? You know, most of us are even in professionals. We all want to retire. We always talk about retirement, but if you don't have the money to keep you in the manner in which you are accustomed when you retire. Then yeah. how where are you going to get it from? So the first thing is investing for the long term. 
to have that passive asset that's going to give you some income. Real estate, a portfolio that's going to give you something and, and calculate how much do I need to live like this annually. And, you know, in 20 years time when I stop working, how will I be able to have that money? Because these days, unlike before, when in, on our continent, many young people, you know, looked after their parents, even financially. Yeah. Many of our children are living they probably 20,000 miles not away. Even that no, they can't they afford it. They don't even country. have that orientation. No, and they're not, even, <laughs> they're not going to pay your bills. They're living in Australia. Honestly, and I was, they have I was their own reading bills on Twitter. I was reading on Twitter the other day mm-hmm. um, this conversation between uh, millennials fighting with Gen Z that what kind of children are these complaining that they have no plans to be their parents' pension plan. I am a proud pension plan, you know? Yeah. And the, other, that's, the that's, younger generation said, you know, sorry, I, I, I'll be not. honest with you, I don't blame them because I, I mean, look at what's happened with COVID. I, I many of the children yeah. who have graduated recently in the last three to five years who can't find a job because yeah. companies have had yeah. to either shut down um, a whole department, people are working from home. You know, the, the thing is that many companies have suffered from the impacts of COVID and so there are fewer jobs around. And so for many of the um, Gen Z who are coming out of school now, they, they don't yeah. have the certainty. When you and I finished university many, many years ago, we knew we had a job waiting. It was There was sore. no anxiety. Let's put it that it was way. Even, there was no, no anxiety. I want to work in a law. Which law firm am I going to work in? Especially if you had a good degree. Even in the UK, yeah. even alone in Nigeria. But now you come out with an MBA and what have you, and you're struggling to get a job. Yeah, but... That's different from people don't even want that responsibility if they could afford it. Like, ah, but mommy, you better make your plans. But, you know, but guess what? You know, in Nigeria, and I'm sure definitely in the UK, many, many children, even after they graduate, end up going back home to live at home because they can't afford to buy yeah. the same property in the yeah. same area they grew That's up in. True. Take a Lagos. So a lot of them are waiting for their parents to die. Right. To I mean, how many children who, are, <laughs> yeah. you know, who, who, who can, from their own salary paycheck, parent in Ecuador, yeah. where they were yeah. born and yeah. raised today. Yeah, that's true. They can't, not from their paycheck. That's true. <laughs> so that's the problem. That's true. And that's because they don't have the same ac- access to, you know, jobs. You know, your returnees came home, the oil companies were there. We, we, we've been through a very sort of, um, some years of affluence on the continent. The golden years. The golden years. The golden years. So there's yes. a lot more uncertainty now. So any parent who is sitting there thinking, I'm expecting, actually, no, you're going to be, actually supporting that child uh, longer for a while. I, I, know, I know people who are paying grandchildren school fees. They're paying grandchildren school fees. Yeah, that, or, that extra flat you have in VI, they're going to live in it. <laughs> that extra, you know? Yes. And that's the truth. So, um, you know, I think we, we, you have to say to the Generation Z, that they, you've got to give them a chance to, to get on with their lives. But therefore, you, the parents who've actually been able to educate them, it means that you had some decent resources, money, what have you. Yeah. You've got to start putting, I mean, not start, you've got to have had put some money away, not have five cars in your driveway. And, you know, realizing that actually, you know. But I don't... <laughs> I don't know. We've had this conversation and I get into big arguments with um, people. I don't believe in inherited wealth. I really don't. They said, ah, but you are going to be, I said, no, I really don't think beyond a certain amount, children should have, you know, maybe you give them a flat or something and Mm -hmm. a a good education. Yep. They really should not be expecting something from me. And if I live to be 80, I'll need my money. I'm sorry. No, and actually, we're, we're living, even our generation is living longer. You know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I read a study recently that said, you know, if you, 
eat right, you know, do a plant-based diet and exercise and etc. You could live to 120. It's going to be our average ah, in the next 10 to 15 years. Not what I do. <laughs> no, but you know, you, I mean, I live in, in London and the amount of 90-year-old people I know who get on a bus and do their thing, go shopping, a bit slower. Yeah, but my mother's 91 and she's still going. Yeah, Exactly. So, you know, uh, this same brain is there. sharper than if mine. If they're waiting to <laughs> inherit, they're going to have to wait a while. And first of all, but they're going to have to wait an awfully long time. But, but you're right. I and mean, actually, if you spend all the money giving them a decent education, more than decent, actually, because most yeah. of us, you know, are talking about kids who have gone to, you know, private schools. And even in, 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 in yeah. London or the US, the average African family, the parents are working three jobs if they have to. Yeah, and the kids into are getting the best school. education. Yeah, so if you've gotten all that education, yeah. which has, means that you're also able to tap into a network. Yes, maybe things like your self-confidence is something that you probably have to work on because not all, it's, not, it's not a given. Yeah. But if you have those opportunities, then frankly, you shouldn't be waiting on your parents' you know, wealth. You really have, they've already given you, I would say, the golden key to open the door and, and go forth. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, 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 that's, and we, see, we are seeing that happen. I mean, we're seeing many more entrepreneurs. We're seeing people excel in areas that our generation didn't even they think that we could excel in art or music or fashion design, you know, or, or film. So the young of, of fintech, exactly. So the younger generation have many, I always tell them they have many, many more opportunities to excel and build yeah. wealth than we, we, we did. And that's again, something that is quite empowering for them. And as my mother's generation used to say, if you are waiting for inheritors, then there's no future for you. Exactly. People who are waiting for inheritors, yeah. they, you know, no, absolutely. there isn't much in there. Yeah. Anyway, mm. um, Big Pig, I, I want to ask you something. You're, I'm not holding you to this. I'm, I'm just asking, what does one do with this economy, this world with Ukraine, with COVID? Where does one put one's money? And I know you're not advocating, you're not advising. What, where would you put your money now? The little torokobo I have. <laughs> where shall I put? You're, you're, you're right. I mean, I'm a lawyer and I guess lawyer to an asset manager, but I'm not a regulated financial advisor. So I can only share with you yeah. my own experience or what I've yes. put in the FT Where would you put yours now? Because I'm scared. I think it's important to diversify. You know, um, that's, very, that's my key. It's a bit of it's in yes. bit of this, a bit of that. So yeah, take Wealthit again. Yes, all of the portfolios we have on Wealthit, and we're actually expanding and introducing some very interesting products in the next month or so from some major banks in the UK. Um, but we, yeah. I'm really keen on having each portfolio, you know, a mixture of different things. So if you are able to invest in in various things, you can either you're either doing it through a diversified portfolio in a one shop stop shop like Wealthit. Or you're saying, right, this is how much I have. I'm going to put one third in real estate if I can. I'm going to put one yeah. third in, um, say, the stock market and i.e. stock market or even, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for the Nigerian stock market, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just when I'm UK based, when I'm saying some things, I'm thinking of what I'm doing here. Yeah. A stock market or even a, a, an investment portfolio that's a mixed bag. And yes, if I okay. knock on the door gotcha. of a significant, you know, serious investment um, a house like a BlackRock or, yeah. or what have you that we, we're working with, I'm kind of reassured that First of all, BlackRock are the largest, one of the largest investment managers. They, they're, not gonna go, they're not going to go down no, this morning. No, they look after something like $9 trillion 
because the, I mean, mm. in last year or year before, there were one or two investment managers that you know, not not of this, not, not of this size. So they, you know, they're not of BlackRock size, exactly. but I mean, they were quite kosher. So yes, yeah, so, so again, picking the right yeah. house, um, and then saying, yeah. I want a, a portfolio that's got a mixture. Because if it's if there's yeah. a bit of um, stocks and shares in there and treasury bills and tre- government bonds, if something goes down, something will go up. You know that's the sort of the, yeah. the, the the way the equation works. So I would say, like I said, maybe one third in real estate, one third in some sort of financial um, portfolio, and then one third in probably something that you're you enjoy and are passionate about. And you know, and I'm not going to put the words into your mouth, but play money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, well, I was talking about have fun with it. You know, have fun with, with it, but it's, you know, it's, it's a bit, yeah. but at least you know that two thirds of the money is in something that will give you a passive it's income kosher. because yeah. real estate, if you invest in real estate in the right place at the right time, and that's again down to yeah. the advice you, you get from experts, could be location, an amazing. Location, location. Yeah, because also from real estate, not only do you get the capital growth if you're in the right place, I mean, at one, at one time, the UK real estate yeah. market was like tripling every five years, you know, the valuation I know. Of, of properties. Now and it's like 10 years. Yeah. Now it's longer. Now it's for various reasons. It's the, the curve has sort of softened. Kind of but there was a sharp increase. And so people would invest in real estate in the UK, both, both for the capital appreciation of the price of the property, but also for the rental income. So you'd have yeah. both. So you'd be getting rental income. And then if you sold it, you maybe doubled your money, so that you know. So real estate could work like that if in well, the right place, the right time. Before CGT gets you. Before CGT, yeah. but I mean, Nigeria too has had its day. I know that real estate market may not be great at the moment, and that's why also when you're investing, yeah. you got to do your wide, your eyes wide open. Don't follow the crowd. Don't do what the Joneses are doing because the Jones, like you know, there was a time when people invested in Dubai, and those who went in early made a killing. Yeah, I know they were, and then burned. their friends followed five years later. Yeah, like you know what. You've missed the boat <laughs> already. Yes. So, but you're doing yeah. it because all well, your friends said, "Oh, I bought. I had three flats in Dubai. I bought them and I sold them. I put my money." But he did that in the early 2000s. Then you arrived in 2010, and you think you're going to make the same? No. So do it with your eyes wide open. You know, read a bit, ask yeah. questions. You know, and and understand what you're putting, especially when it's significant sums of money. Or get a good advisor. Go to a good, uh, you know, a real estate house or you know, advisor yeah. in that country where you are. I'd understand what how the market is doing. And, and and which parts because sometimes Dubai is not is not in uniform. No nowhere is. And in the UK yeah. I always tell people that understand the, the postcode lottery. Prime Central London is very different from going, you know, somewhere uh, east southeast in a far <laughs> yes. way. <laughs> which although London is not yeah. most of the places are not doing badly, but the, the rate of growth will be different depending on the postcode. Yeah. You're really into art and uh, you're a trustee of the Yinka Shonibari Foundation. I mean, Yinka Shonibari is a royal academician, is a CBE, and, and um, you're very supportive of um, African art. So hmm. Are you putting your money in there too? I mean, I am, but you know, it's funny when you're a collector, you know, um, yeah. you you have a different mindset. You know, your each piece of art yeah. you buy is like a little baby. You just like you, you, yes. you remember yes. how you saw it, at, how you fell yeah. in love with it, how you go. You are not automatically thinking of the sale. Um, yeah. I mean, although, yeah, nowadays, I mean, when African art has been around for a long time, but it's only in the last say ten years has it become. In, yeah, it's coming to its own respect. where people are seeing it as an asset class, yes. where people are starting to make money from it. But you know, even there, we tell people tread carefully. 
because it's still it doesn't it's not been doing this long enough for you to see the track record for you to see you know for the last usually an asset has to have been performing for the last say for 40 50 years for you to look at the numbers and understand the cycle understand which part of the art which artists which you know etc so there isn't enough data around treating it solid like an asset class but there have been some winners there have been some you know the people who bought a woman one 40 years ago and we're oh, well, selling it now for six I'm figures. I'm kicking myself. I'm kicking <laughs> myself. Not that I had the money at that time anyway. But the I thing about that, about art is that usually, you know, the people who, who bought it at the time didn't ever think that it would be worth that much. Yeah. You know, there's a story I've, I've yeah. read about yeah. um, a couple who were collecting Picasso's work because they lived in the same town in France as he did. And yeah. they just liked him. He was a friend. And and when they when about 30 years later, they, were, they sold one for $47 million. They were, when they first bought it, they liked his work. And that's with art. You buy what you like. Yeah. And if at some point you find that it's increasing value, funny enough, most collectors would actually not want to sell it just because of the value because you can't replace it. Because you're buying yeah, art true. as an item that you and you're interested in, you have an attachment to. So even if you sold it, you you're not going to buy the same piece. But yeah, but you know, circumstances may may need you to sell your art. And I know that a few years ago, quite a few Nigerian families were able to sell their art in auctions in the UK to to fund school fees yeah. and yes, fund. Yes. So it's starting to be a respected asset class, contemporary African art, definitely. You know. So um. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so which which artists should I be looking at for oh my, my little portfolio that's that a, I want to put as my asset asset class? Will you tip me off? Buy on? what you like, buy what you like, and you know, oh. look, looking around us. I mean, I guess if, if you really were serious, you'd say, well, let's look at what you, you can follow the figures sometimes by looking at the auction houses. So looking at Bonhams or Sotheby's. They publish yeah. uh, the figure, the um, the results of their auctions. Yeah, um, and yeah. they have two or three auctions each, each year. So you can actually say, let me take, take one this particular artist and look at his how his work has sold in auction for the last say five years, and if you continue yeah. to see an upward trajectory, you might be late because maybe you're, you can buy at the top of the market. By that time, by that time, <laughs> anyway, exactly. So, it, so it's about it's about having an eye, and if you really want to be that one who makes money, yes, it's about having you an develop eye. your eye. Yes, pick, well, picking up. And like I, have, I I've been, I'm, such a, I'm such a philistine. I'll be looking at my decor and say, which color? It doesn't match. However, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I've been fortunate. I've bought a few pieces. I, I won't sell them of young up and coming Nigerian artists that I bought, yeah. say, four or five years ago. And are now, and I, when I see their prices online, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Man. So, which one are you excited about? Name one. Name one that you were so excited about. You bought not for investment, but now you're saying, oh, wow, look at I the price now. None of the pieces I own have been bought for investment. None, not one. I know, I know, mm-hmm. but look at them now. Mm-hmm. You bought at that time because of love, because of passion. And then mm. look at them now. Well, no, if, I, if, if I start doing that on this on this podcast, people like no, just one, just not, one. No, I think. no, no. I think it's dangerous to do that because <laughs> I don't want to be seen to be endorsing or, or trying to start a trend of particular yeah. artists. But, no, I get, but I, all I, I, I say is that, that there are some interesting galleries in Lagos, um, and especially okay. the ones who promote young and upcoming artists. I mean, for example, a new really yeah. gallery has this um, I love a residency Rene, yeah. where she shows 10 new artists, I think it's every year, literally, 10 young contemporary yeah. artists. She calls them young contemporaries or something. And so I can yeah. easily say that I bought from, you know, that sort of bunch whenever okay. they come out yeah. of her residency program. Yeah. They're new, they're yeah. fresh, very reasonably priced because they're new, they haven't got a track record yet. They're new, yeah. And yeah, I've, I've managed to pick up a few. And yes, I've seen them 
become more successful as they're being more become more exposed and their careers have moved moved up. And then, they, especially mm. when they are then taken out of the country and their work is showing in art fairs and. So yeah. I've done that in Nigeria. I've done that in Cameroon, for example. Also picked up work of yeah. up and coming artists. So it's it's down to your taste, really. I I, I like I said okay. at any time I'm not thinking they're going to be worth X, but I'm thinking, gosh, yeah. this is yeah. a new artist, but, but he or she is going to go far because the work that they're producing is you know as either very different, very interesting. Their workmanship is superb, and so I think, yeah. well, this is an artist who is solid and who's going to be around for a long time. So it's great to have something yeah. of the early work. Yeah, yeah. Until yeah, so, yeah, they probably will increase in value, but that's that's it. That's a nice one to have. But thankfully, and I'm very fortunate, and thank God that I haven't had to, you know, sell any of them. So yeah. I hope that continues. As I'm still working hard. <laughs> okay. What about art as NFT, and as an asset class, NFTs? That is so new. So I was like asking me what's about cryptocurrencies, which I you noticed I didn't even mention when you asked me what to put your money in. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> because um, well, yeah, crypto is you know doing what crypto is doing. It is it's on steroids. Yes. You know, it's uh, one minute is like amazing, the value is crazy, and next minute it crashes and burns, and then you'll need a strong stomach. You need a strong stomach. <laughs> <laughs> you need a strong stomach. You know, so don't put all your money in crypto. Don't put all your money in NFT. But yeah, you could experiment. Anybody asks me, oh, how about crypto? I say, well, if you've got you know a hundred dollars, put ten percent of it in crypto. Put what you can lose. Okay. And actually, if you put some money in crypto or you actually manage to access an NFT and acquire it, that one, the minute there's a return, I will sell it and move on. So my crypto, as, if I crypto as well, just scoop the returns out, even if you don't leave the capital in there. So if you, you know, suddenly you look up and see your, your, your Bitcoin wallet has, you know, uh, <laughs> has morphed into a lottery ticket. Take the lottery. Because probably people are greedy. They want to, oh my gosh, I put a hundred, it's now worth 10,000. They keep it in them. Like take, take, take the 9,900 away <laughs> and leave the hundred in there. Let it keep working. So, um, but the same thing with NFTs, it's, it's, it's still very early to say how it's going to do. And I'm not myself, maybe I'm old school. I like to touch my art. I like to feel it. I like to see it, <laughs> you know. I like to hang it up, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not quite sure about this whole digital age um, around around art and and paying the kind of value which that people are paying for it. But you know, I, I'm watching the space and learning, and you know, just like the ages of the internet, people thought it was crazy and it wouldn't last. And look at True. where we are with it. We, you know, with, the, with this pandemic, if we didn't have internet, I don't know what would have happened to all the, the world. You know, businesses are come to standstill. Something else. The, the world yeah. is so in, in, you know, in, in, inventive and yes. ingenious. Yeah. Come Absolutely. So we've got to understand that you know things will continue to change. We, you know, nobody. You, that's that's the way life is. Things change, and um, and you have to try and yeah. move with it and understand it, but not, not jump on it just for the sake of oh gosh, everybody's jumping on it. That's always a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I leave it to the young ones. <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> so you've done so much, being paid. Uh, what what is left on your bucket list? What is the one thing you still want to take off? Uh, hmm, gosh, to, to take on. Oh my gosh, gosh. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm still taking take on. off. Take I'm, off. I'm, well, I'm still, take taking, I'm still taking off and taking on my um, fintech career, which is kind of uh-huh. recently launched. That's <laughs> so quite exciting. That's exciting. Yes. And I think wanting yeah. to make sure that we stay the distance. I mean, we, we launched the yeah. app. Um, it's literally, it's barely, a t- it's barely been launched a year. But we launched it in the App Store last October. It's going organically yeah. in the UK. We want to re- launch it in on the African continent. Nigeria, Ghana, and Kenya are our three main sort of um, 
touch points. Fantastic. And so yeah. that's that's still very much on my bucket list is getting getting that um that fintech product, you know, up there. You know, let's 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 make it the next unicorn. Well I'm just so I'm so proud of you. I'm so impressed by your energy, your you know, your fearlessness. You just go for it. And and this year of breaking the bias, everybody's talking the talk. You know, when it comes to actually putting in the man hours, you do. And that's one thing people talk about about women that oh, they say they want they want equality, they want this, but they're not prepared to put in the work. Wasn't it Kim Kardashian? They were saying people weren't willing to put in the work. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, mm. I think if that's something you need to take off on your road to success, Bing Pei does the work. She's always, if she says she's going to be there at four o'clock, she's there at four o'clock. Thank so, you. Huh? Yeah, well not a choice, but yes, well absolutely. Yes, yes. Mm. So Sunday morning, church or chill? I know you're on the synod of the... The London, yes, uh, I'm on Chesley. the London Diocese, you know, Diocese, London, Diocese. Yeah. yeah. So, do you do church um, every Sunday, or you do online church? I do both. I I do church and I chill, and you know, church. And in fact, again, COVID taught us that church church is where you make it. Yeah. So absolutely. I I you know I I think it was only in the last couple of months I started going back into the physical church you know, regularly. So even now, because of Omicron, I'll be in my the physical church in at HTB once a month um, the other three weekends a month yeah. i'm online uh we're doing worship yeah. online and mornings and try and get my children to join listen to a talk yeah. listen to some praise music um and say a prayer and that's church yeah yeah so are you a morning person or a night owl hmm, interesting um I'm a morning person, but I'm not a morning person to hit my desk at 7 a.m. My morning okay. is, oh my gosh, my morning is sacred. I, I'm an early riser, but I will, yeah. you know, do my exercise. 5 a.m.? No, not 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not 5 a.m., not that early. More like 6.37. But, you know, my, my morning will yeah. start with my prayers, but definitely some form of exercise. I've got to do my yoga. Yeah. I've got to oh, go for a long walk. Um, you know, I've, that's my morning. I, it's, it's precious to just be out there side or mm. doing something when the just world is breathe, still quiet. Breathe, know? yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'll wake up early, but I will not go straight to my desk. You will not catch me in a conference right. call at 7 a.m. No, absolutely not. Who do you admire most? Oh, that's an easy answer, easy question to answer. My late father. Is it? Yes. Oh. Absolutely. And even though he's not here, I, I still not sure I miss any... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think you, you you know you admire people from afar for what they've achieved. You know the likes of um, Nelson Mandela, obviously. Gosh, yeah. Um, or you know, or even even um, Barack Barack and Michelle Obama. But I think yeah. for me, admiring someone um, also means that you know them what and all, and can yeah. still admire them. Yeah. So that's when I say my late father because I knew him. You know, yeah. the, the good and the, the flawed and everything. And but that's Doctor Elibuti. Yes, professor. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. yes. Sorry. but um, yeah, a, a very sort of approachable um, man who just taught us to just find you know joy in everything we did. To always keep our sense of humor, to be hardworking. Mm. Um, but he was always available to everyone, and you know, and he was present. I was, he was always present. Was a present parent. Yeah, till the very till the very end, and yeah, and did a lot of important. different things, you know. So he yes. medical doctor, but he also wrote, wrote books when he retired. He wrote a you know a, a, a sort of a, I would say a novella history history novel about um, this young uh, African slave who was returned and married 
and lived in Nigeria. <laughs> Lovely. Era Bonita. And who there's in, just, yeah. in fact, a couple of documentaries on TV, but he just did his research because her husband at the time, JPL Davies, was the founder of CMS Grammar School where my dad went. Oh, right. So I watched my dad research, Gosh. and I think that's where my love of art comes from, because, you know, there he's, yeah. he always had a healthy respect for the creative sector, you know. And, for somebody and, who was a scientist, essentially. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. He, was, he did every, a bit of everything, and also, you know, also to him, being a scientist and being a Christian were not mutually ex- exclusive, and he would spend many right. hours, and he always bought books and shared books with me about just the... I will say the the new science around how religion <laughs> is important to the health, you know, and well. Yeah. So, so what are you reading at the moment? <laughs> Books on wealth management and fintech. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, some time off for good behavior. <laughs> I know, you know. Say, I, to be honest with you, I really don't have that time anymore because especially since launching the, new, the app to read yeah. for fun so I kind of keep when I'm going yeah. on holiday even now when I'm going on holiday I'm thinking I don't want to read when I'm on holiday I don't want to sleep and just watch the yeah. scene, you know so no I'm reading books to do with um, you know setting up a fintech business and and, right. and and wealth management and and the philosophy around money and just articles I do I read a lot of articles but no I'm not um, I recommend Audible I use it to sleep. It's just that I start the book on Audible and okay. I go back to the same chapter because I'm falling asleep before the second chapter. You know, I, I, and I tell you, even I, you know, I, I, I use my Amazon, I have Kindle, I download books, I read a book review. Yes. I download books. It's on, <laughs> you know, you know if I, it's on there and I've started reading it. So I'm reading, usually reading about three or four books at the same time. And one would be a business <laughs> book, one would be some book review on Sunday Times I read. And then after a while, yeah. I'm like, you know, work takes over. So, no, I'm yes. not, um, I love reading. But, um, yes, yeah, so when I go on holiday, I look on the window and now. say, which of these books that I downloaded because I read that review, should I <laughs> should I be reading now? So, no, I, I like reading <laughs> articles. Um, I like using things like, you know, Medium, all those things. I have shots, seven, ten yeah. articles. Oh, I love them because, you know, I can, yeah. I say there's something. I, I, mean, I, I, I love articles because my attention span is so short. Mm, no, no. So and again, spanning. it's always down to me reading about something that's relevant to my trade. That's the to, thing to at, the, at the moment because do. I'm doing, yeah, even now I'm trying to read um, articles on art and finance, you know, just assessing you know, how, how the art market is going. Yeah. Because we talked about that earlier. So, yeah. so no, I see. Yeah. That's so reading is not um, top of my list. I'm reading for leisure. It's not top of my list. Yeah. Reading for work. Is, what about music? What about music? That, Are you listening to what's that, your current favorite art? That is my, that is my one, I would say. Aha. Um, that's my vitamin C every, okay. every minute. So Depends what's on what's your current favorite Music. Song? Actually, it's funny. In the last few days, I've been listening to Asha's new album. Oh, right. It, it, the new one? The latest one. So that's on my Spotify. And, oh, wow. and yes, I'm a I big still spo- prefer the, that one, um, uh, the one that everybody knows. That I still the very first one it. with um, Fire on the The very Hunting. first one. Oh, gosh. Well, it's I've had a... albums, but you know, I ran into High Lagos um, when I was there recently. Okay. Um, and she did tell me that her new album was dropping the next day on Spotify. So I've downloaded yes. it, and actually, I mean, it's funny, a, a single came out, Mayana, some time ago, it was very sort of dancey, yeah. bit salsa, very nice. And so when she dropped the whole album, and I've been listening to it, and I I, I mean, Asha is a singer I, I like, but I, I actually, she has I a like concert. her originality, mm, the Yoruba. A concert is coming is up she... in May, 
Kami pushing it out there. Maybe just oh, thinking about advertising wow. it in London. I know London. she was brought up by her grandmother, and there are quite a few songs in that first album that you could say this oh, girl. Oh yes. The you Yoruba know, you can tell she hot. knows the traditional music or mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. or playground songs. You know those kinds of things. Yeah, the so, history is there. Yeah. And you and see, when culture. I when I discover a new song or album or something, my my kids make fun of me. I listen to it like in ad infinitum because I want to know it. I want to <laughs> I want it to be part of my you know like I just and and usually I will so I've listened to this album now for the last three days nonstop. So, oh, fantastic! And I and actually, there's well, a rhythm. I'll, I'll, I'll that, make a point. Oh, you should you should listen to it. But you know, for me, music is everything. So I listen to worship music a lot. Um, yeah, as, as well in the morning, in the mornings, in the evenings, if I go to bed, I do that. I love jazz. Um, I love Ella Fitzgerald. I can't I can listen to Ella when I'm working. Especially if I'm if I'm working in the evening late, I'm usually doing some piece of work that I don't have to, I mean, I concentrate, but I can have music in the background. And there are no phone calls. Yeah, I will have music while I'm working. I have music while I'm cooking. Working, oh, wow. the shower, work, walking. When I go walking outdoors, I'll have music. I have a Peloton bike. I'll have music. <laughs> so that's the different types. We're going to do your desert island. Yeah, and, and even salsa. <laughs> so I, love, I love Latin music, everything. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Mm. So yeah. before we go, second to the last question. Um, what shall I say? You are... Gonna tell me a joke, but before that, you're gonna describe <laughs> yourself in three words. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear! So I just describe yes. myself in three words. Describe yourself in three words. <sighs> and modesty is modest, irrelevant. Right? You don't need to be modest. Is, no, oh, don't. Good. Thank you. Do the American thing and just tell it as it is. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so I am. Hmm. Gosh, in three words. I think I'm energetic. I have an energy. Yes, I can vouch for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a connector. I love interacting people. Yes. I love just spreading the network and spreading the love through networking. Uh, I'm a a mother. (laughs) Oh, how sweet. (laughs) I say because I have three adults and the work is not done. Honestly, as I was yeah. So sometimes when I'm when I'm doing something, I mean, I I mean, even, yeah. even today I was five minutes late just because I was getting a ticket for my daughter. I'm thinking, I said to them, I said, you know, I'm only doing this because I'm your mother, because I, <laughs> I, you know, because I do all sorts of all sorts of things. You know, like oh my goodness, yeah. you know, it's like, and yes, they're all over twenty one now, uh, but I'm, yeah. they're still calling me to do re- read this and read it now. Or I want to buy this, so I I need your you know, to ask you something, and I'm like. Yeah, and, and it's true. I'm only doing it because I'm your mother. <laughs> because if I wasn't yeah, your mother, you're, you're present in their lives. And I mean, yeah, as someone said, you know, the greatest title I can have is a mother. And to be mother is not just the lovely, not dovey, not thing, but it's also having yeah. the ability to have those hard discussions, but to be very involved. Yeah. In your child's life, to really present yeah. to the. I mean, I am very. I'm, yeah. I, I try not to be a helicopter mom. But I know that I, you know, I, I, I'm very, I think I know pretty much every single time what my children are doing or what they're capable of doing. And I, oh, I, wow. and, and I think because my dad luckily grew up in Boston yeah. and he was present and he made sure we could talk to him about anything. So a lot of my conversations mm. are around what they're doing or that would like to do in our career and life. And so, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's only what I can think of is I'm doing those things because I'm them. I'm them. Yeah. And it's a big part of my life, to be honest. It's just I take. 
um, yeah, he's influenced yeah. by that. So, so this is where you tell me a joke. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> I'm very bad. You know, I'm I'm, ba- I'm I love honestly, and I don't want to repeat jokes I tell my kids on this because you'll be you'll cringe. I'm I love like terrible jokes. <laughs> the, the worse the joke, the better. Tell me. You know, I love terrible yeah. jokes. Terrible. That's fine. That's fine. So you have to edit it out because. I mean, let me tell you, you know, you know, sometimes when, when I say this and I laugh, I laugh at myself because how, how terrible they are. So, no, I can't. So, well, okay, I'll tell you one, but I mean, after that, we can, I, yeah. I'll, I won't continue. And it's, it's things like, you know, so what did the, what was it again? Um, what did mayonnaise say to the refrigerator? So what did the mayonnaise, mayonnaise to the re- say to the refrigerator? Mayonnaise take to the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Egg? I don't know. I don't know. What? Close the door. I'm dressing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that so is terrible. good though. <laughs> but my daughter was here. She will, she, will, she will actually feel like killing herself because she's like, "Mom, <laughs> stop it." <laughs> that yeah. is good. So I'm, 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 that's what I'm definitely gonna use. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna use this. I'll even give you credit. And you said you didn't know any You're jokes. You're cookies, good. and I know all this. Yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that's brilliant. <laughs> so there you been, go. You've been such a good conversation. Thank you. I mean, I really enjoyed myself. It's like it hasn't been like an interview; it's just been like chatting. No, definitely. No, it's lo- and this is lo- no lovely. Thank you. Nice breaking. I really enjoyed. Thank you for, 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 for this. If people want to reach you, how do they reach you? If they're interested in your app, if they're interested in your advisory service. How do they go um, about it? I'm on LinkedIn. And it's funny, these days when I go out and I don't have a business card, I always say my name is being paid Conchu and there's only one on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can always Fantastic. message me. Thank God. <laughs> you can message No, it's true. Because on LinkedIn, somebody, yes. you, you put like, When you type I mean, in some names on LinkedIn, they're like you, 10 of them. Are you wondering which, which one? one is this? One is the one in, in, in Pasadena yes. or the one in, <laughs> yes. in Barcelona? Nope, there's only one. So I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. You can reach me. You can message me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, my, again, my website's www.wealth-8.com and if you went to the website and sent an email to hello at wealth8.com it will reach me so those are okay, two very two very easy things to do so we encourage you to okay. go to the wealth8 um, website yeah okay i'll definitely do that and i'll tell Great. quite a few of my female friends in particular Great. because i know we've been talking about it and just been oh god you know no definitely you know we'll we'll be in Nigeria I mean by the grace of God towards the end of the year we'll, we'll you know, hopefully we'll be okay, able to brilliant. onboard Nigerian customers currently we're onboarding um, customers who have a UK address UK yeah. NI number and yeah. UK bank account where the money comes from okay so if you have yeah. those three you can actually use the app as we right now okay and um, you know okay. and, and again you know we're a startup so feedback is important if anybody has any issues yeah. or questions by all means please yeah. reach out to me i'm here but shelly thank you it's been a great time no, i've thoroughly enjoyed uh, it and uh i see you when i get to the uk or when you're in lagos next take care bye <laughs>